0: This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 9, 11, and 5, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. This appeal of David to Saul this morning in our lesson is heart-wrenching. Through all of David's travails to this point due to Saul, this is the first time where he had the chance to directly confront his tormentor. Looking deep within our own hearts on this particular Sunday in the church year where the lessons deal with the commandment to forgive as we have been forgiven by Almighty God through Jesus Christ. This passage in First Samuel 24 is very imp- appropriate. When we face Saul types in our lives, what's our response? When sinned against several times... What is our response? Do we go the worldly route to keep a scorecard? Thank God Jesus Christ does not keep the type of scorecards we tend to keep against each other that have hurt us. If Jesus Christ did, not taking our sins upon himself for our sakes, we would be a most hopeless lot. Yet, as with the parable of the unforgiving servant in our gospel this morning, our default position is to keep score, as if we're perfect, as if we have no spot or blemish. Thank God, through his Son, do we find the only way to complete salvation, forgiveness of our debt of sin, offered to those that repent of their sins, And believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and King. This morning, let us glean anew our call to repent, to forgive, and to move towards reconciliation in a world where sins against one another pile up beyond the number Peter thought appropriate to forgive. Our passage opens in verses one through seven with King Saul hearing again the location of David. And responding in kind by choosing 3,000 men of Israel to go with him to track David down. With David and his 600, Saul had an overwhelming advantage. Things were once again very bleak for David. From here, Saul went into the same cave that we read that David and his men were hidden deep within to relieve himself. And verse 4 records the advice of David's men with this circumstance. Here is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Temptations such as this must have been very compelling to David. He faced the pressure of running for his own life, the pressure of the future of Israel, the pressure of the needs of his men. And at the end of verse 6, we read David's reaction to his men's goading. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Immediately, though, in verse 5, we see God's work on the heart of David. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut the corner of Saul's robe. Without the challenge of people around him to what he did... God here convicts David to the heart, and we read that David relented. And in verses 6 through 7, he explained to his men why he would not hurt the Lord's anointed, and he persuaded them also not to hurt Saul. David knew God would do all of this in his time through the means he deemed right, not through David or his men. David, though, by cutting a corner of Saul's robe, took a first step, though, towards possibly going through with taking matters into his own hands, with possibly killing Saul himself, ending his misery and the misery of his men. Yet, this was not right in the eyes of God. The ways of this world in these situations to this very day are filled with accounts of men feeling fully justified in their rebellion. Against vicious dictators, to take matters into their own hands, to take out their rival themselves, and to take control, thinking they can do a better job. Had David taken this impatient step of sin, he would be no different than all others in history. We see such violence on the large scale level of nations repeatedly throughout history, of impatient violence not relying on God through prayer and patience. The personal level is the same. Revenge consumes to the point of needless suffering. David here was struck to the heart to stop, to relent, giving everything into the hands of God, trusting that the times that would come that would be ahead of him would be full of trouble and hardship under Saul. But those things were in the hands of God to help to build him up. To prepare him. Godly restraint to trust him through all situations and not take matters into our own hands to speed things up is worthy of all Christians as well. It is as Paul wrote in our epistle today in verses 9 through 11 and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We see these works in the life of David, God working mightily within him. We, when we submit to Jesus Christ above all else, even in horrible circumstances, see these things at work as well. But when we try to do it ourselves, to get to something we deem better than our present circumstances on our own, without God, without his timing, we will end in misery. Yes, in the short term, many often feel vindicated in getting back the Saul types in our lives. But in the end, such eats us from within to the point we are in a much worse condition and had we just trusted God's work and his timing in our hearts, along with his timing and his work in the hearts of those that have hurt us. Verses 8 through 15 contain David's first open confrontation with King Saul. It's a heartfelt plea. He said, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? He then shows Saul the proof that he indeed had the chance to kill him. Yet in the end, he told Saul that even at the advice of his men to kill him, he spared him. And he pledged to Saul the following in verse 10. I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Instead of doing as this world says people in similar circumstances as David has every right to do, David chose the path of patience, forgiveness, love, and mercy. How often in times where we face Saul types that sin against us numerous times do we seek the worldly escape of vengeance and unforgiveness? How often instead of bearing our own cross, trusting in Jesus Christ's grace to see us through, do we crucify Saul types the first chance we get out of revenge? It's our default mode in our condition of sin. We see it all around us. We see it in our literature, in our television, in our movies. It's very rare, if you think about it, to see a movie similar to the story of David and Saul, with David being extremely patient, taking years to get through the struggle. It is very rare to see movies do well with that content. Rather, it is the vengeful movies that get all the people coming in droves to view, identifying with the characters that take matters into their own hands, rather in the way of Christ and his cross. We see it even on our communications, online, our social media, perpetuating a culture of complete and iron fisted rage, vengeance, and unforgiveness. Our call in situations we are, where we are dealing with a saul is the following to close this section in verse fifteen. David said, may the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. This approach, unfortunately for us, is too boring. It's too tedious for our patience. We don't want to wait for it. We do not like to wait on the Lord and his work upon our hearts through the dire times of life. We especially do not like to wait on the Lord and his work upon the hearts of our enemies. Sure, in the case of King Saul, God eventually removed him from in battle with the Philistines. In Christ, though, we always need to be prepared. We always need to be ready for the type of Saul that he converts to become no longer an enemy, but a fellow brother or sister in Jesus. Our prayers as commanded us by Christ must be not only for those that are friendly to us, but also for our enemies. This takes time and great patience only possible in our Lord. As a former enemy of the church wrote in our epistle today in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. We as Christians must pray that these words not only apply to our lives or the lives of our friends and family, those that are nice to us, but even for the lives of our enemies, that God may turn their hearts to him in forgiveness and salvation. Verses 16 through 22 contain the response of Saul to the grace of David. We read in verse 16 and 17, And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Instead of doing as he could have here to go into a murderous rage to wipe out David, to wipe out his men, Saul relented. Saul came to a momentary stop. Saul came to a half-hearted repentance, and he ceased to pursue David in this particular expedition. Saul here, if you think about it, prefigures the gospel lesson today of the parable of the unforgiving servant, forgiven of such great sins against David, to then quickly go back in the next few chapters to, to pursue David again. In the end, Saul like the unforgiving servant, was cut down, not by David, but by God. In Saul's continual pursuit of self, he loses sight of his need for the Lord, his need to submit to the Lord. Instead, he seeks the life of David until his own life is cut off. Through it all, David never wavered in his resolve not to harm the Lord's anointed. He left everything in the hands of God to his great suffering as a result. And all of this for David, God built him up in his strength. God does the same in all of us, seeking forgiveness over vengeance, even when it's deserved in our human eyes. The point is, for all of us as fallen humanity, not one of us deserves the mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Yet this is what God gives through his Son, bringing many we would rather despise, such as a Saul, that have filled up our scorebooks of their sins against us to himself in repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation. No matter the circumstance, Jesus saves us as miserable sinners. Yes, even those that have mistreated us. The call is patience in God through prayer, asking for his help to endure, his help to forgive far many more times than we would like. His call is to restore fractured relationships to a place of renewal and grace in him. It takes the timing of God in this, not our timing. As David did at the end of our passage to go back to the stronghold with the thought of Saul possibly coming back to sin against him again. So too do we, not unforgiving, but rather to wait on God to see how he works through the situation in his time. David was continuing as God called him to do, not seeking to kill Saul, but rather to remain vigilant just in case Saul came again. All the while, David waited. David prayed for Saul just as we must pray for the Saul types in our lives. Maybe, just maybe, will God turn some of our dire enemies from a king Saul to a Paul forever reconciled by Jesus Christ alone with us to live in forgiveness, grace, and love. Let us pray. O merciful God, who hast made all men, and hatest nothing that thou hast made, nor desirest the death of a sinner, but rather that he should be converted and live, have mercy upon all who know thee not, as thou art revealed in the gospel of thy Son, Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of thy word, and so fetch them home, blessed Lord, to thy fold, that they may be made one flock under one shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen.